Hello, welcome back to the Harvard Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Liam. And as always, I'm joined by my very happy co-host, because NBA is back, it's Ben Jones. NBA is back and the Cavs get their first win of the season. It's a good day today. Yep, there we go. Cavs getting a dub. Cavs getting marking and playing small forward, which is ridiculous. Absolutely obscene. Cavs got all the bigs. Cavs got all the dubs. It's a great day for Ben. It's a great day. <laughs> How how have you acclimatised to life back with the NBA? Watching uh, highlights of all your other teams, watching the Cavs in full, all that stuff. Are you back in the swing of it yet? Getting there. Got all the highlights on as I have breakfast in the morning. Try and get that in. Um, might have stayed up and watched most of the Cavs game last night, which was very nice. Nice. Finished, um, sort of one two ish. It wasn't an awful one for me to watch that one, but. Um, a bit of time off work this week, so maybe I'll get one or two more in. Who knows? Those early starts are always uh, well wanted, aren't they, In the uh, for an NBA fan, especially when the season starts. I think uh, Mavs have got Kings soon, uh, 7.30 on a Sunday evening, which is just a, a, a beauty. Uh, so we always look forward to those. Uh, but good start to the season overall. We're going to touch on it all today. Uh, we're going to go through our 10 initial reactions. So we've got five each. I'm going for the West. Ben's going for the East. We'll, we'll go back and forth. We'll end the podcast talking about our game picks and talk about some games for the upcoming week. But before that, uh, news-wise, uh, thankfully, we haven't got any crazy injuries to talk about. We haven't got any actual trades, so there's not much. There's only one topic, and it's a topic that every podcast has spoken about for months, unfortunately, but we have to do it. So it's Ben Simmons' uh, trade slash no trade. Uh, obviously, refused to take part in some defensive drills in training. Uh, the day he didn't refuse, he still only did three, which I found amusing. Uh, <laughs> came in to shoot on his own um, and did about five shots on the Friday. Uh, and it, yeah, not been good. Since come out that he ha- is talking to the team, talking to the players, ha- did like a big speech. Whether he said sorry or not, we're not sure, but he did speak to them, spoke to the player personnel department, has said that he's not mentally ready to play, that he's struggling with his mental health, um, doesn't want to play basketball right now which is fair enough. Uh, and also, like I said, I've spoken to, to all the players, even Embiid, apparently. So uh, still wants to trade. Maury's come out and also said that this could take four years because that's how long the contract is, kind of uh, sarcastically, obviously, but indicating that we're not just going to trade him for nothing. His words were, we're either going to keep Ben or we're going to trade him for a, for a star. We're not trading him for uh, for backup pieces. So there's all the news, mate. Give me your general synopsis on what you think of this situation since the last time we spoke. It's a real mess, isn't it? Um, it just to tack on to the end of that little update, uh, Embiid spoke to the crowd as well and said Ben is still one of our brothers and we need to look out for him a little bit. So I, I think he's, I don't know, it's, like I said, it's a real mess. Um, obviously, it's all sort of stemmed from, I don't think, at the end of their playoff run, I don't think, Doc Rivers and, and Joel Embiid dealt with that situation particularly well. No, I agree. I, I put a lot of that on them, to be honest, back then. Yeah, and I think that's kicked it, kicked it all off. And then I think Ben Simmons acting the way he's acted hasn't helped either. He's kind of dug himself a hole. If he wanted to get traded, the best thing he could have done was play out of his skin because it's a win-win then because his trade value goes up and the, the amount of teams that want him, that goes up as well. So the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be able to put together a good trade package for him and he's probably going to get out of there quicker. But because on the surface it seems like he's been really petulant, he's not training, he's refusing to play, he's refusing this, arguing with people, 
teams are going to look at that and go, oh, well, actually, I don't want him on our team. Or they're going to put a bit of a joke package together and send it because they think Sixers just want to get rid of him as quickly as possible, which, as you said, Maury's not buying on. He's not going for that. He's He knows Ben Simmons' worth and he, he's going to gonna get that worth, I think. Um, now, the, the, the mental health concerns are kind of a new thing, whether that stemmed from all this drama that's been created and snowballed, perhaps, or it was there beforehand. It's difficult to say. But I think there's been some real big hiccups on both sides of this whole situation. And it's going to take a few weeks to even start to become sort of getting back to normal and smooth out, I think. Yes, I would definitely, definitely agree. Uh, pretty good summary there. I, I haven't really got much to add. I do think both sides are at fault uh, in different areas that we could probably do a whole podcast on, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I would still trade Ben Simmons if I was the 76ers. I would still want to trade if I was Ben Simmons, probably. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the mental health stuff might be to do with the thought of actually playing in front of his own fans as well, which is, I think is... Yeah is going to be very tough for him to do, especially with uh, the relationship they've had in the past as well. So, yeah, it's a tough situation. Uh, do you think he plays for 76ers at all still? Or do you think that... I don't Because I don't think with all this going on that someone will trade a start, will, will trade anyone decent for him short term. So I think either he's not going to play or he's going to have to play, if that makes sense, right up to the deadline. I yeah, think. I think he's going to be... We're going to see him in a 76ers uniform again. I think they're going to work together to kind of rehabilitate his image there first before bringing him to the court because that 76ers crowd can be <laughs> unrelenting and, and cruel and just because they're so passionate. But it's definitely going to come across in a, a harsh way. So I think they're going to rehabilitate his image, get him working with the team again and um, go from there. I think that's got to be their first first steps. Yeah, I would agree. It's going to be an interesting one to watch as well. Uh, we might talk about 76ers later, but uh, definitely uh, missing some uh, some of his defence, even though they've still played well. And I wonder uh, if they're going to want him back as soon as possible or if they're going to trust, try and trade for a star. I think they might have hoped that Damon Lillard and the Trailblazers after 15 games have a really bad record. And if they do, there could be some issues there. But obviously, Dame's come out and said that he wants to stay in Portland again now. So... Uh, I think the 76ers are are in a very tough situation, so we'll see we'll see how that develops. I'm sure we'll hear more about it every week. Unfortunately, it's a story that never seems to go yeah never seems to go away, does it? But uh, let's move on then, maybe from Ben Simmons, depending on what your uh, reactions are. We're going to go ten initial reactions for the season. Only been just over a, well, not even a week, is it now? Um, five days worth of action. So we just uh, got some general thoughts and reactions from the early part of the season. Ben, kick us off with your first one from the East. The Bulls are back, as oh. Trey would love me to say. I know they've played the Pistons twice in a row, but <laughs> the way this team looks, even if they're not back completely, the basketball they're going to be playing this season is going to be very entertaining. Between Zach Levine, uh, Lonzo, and uh, my my uh, sixth man of the year award contender, Alex oh, Caruso. Big Caruso. It is an extremely entertaining brand of basketball, and I've enjoyed watching what they've done so far this season. Um, it's can they get all the pieces involved 
offensively, which so far they seem to have. Vucevic has had a bit of a slow start, but I think he's doing what they need him to do. Um, DeRozan can score when they need him to, which is great. Zach Levine had a really great first game, 30-plus points. A bit quieter in the second one, but they still came out with a win. Um, it, it is just going to be those defensive issues when they come up against the more offensive-orientated teams. Can they hold it together there? And I think this sort of ease, double easier game to start with is kind of help them find a bit more about who they are and what they can do to sort of counteract their defensive um, holes, shall we say. So um, I think, I know it's only early days, but I'm expecting big things from the Bulls at this point. Nice. Yeah, I think they're the only team in the NBA, 3-0 record. Uh, which is nice, especially if you are a Bulls fan, like Trey Kirby, who we were talking about a minute ago. But uh, yeah, schedule does matter. Or was it Pistons, Pelicans, Pistons? Yes. <laughs> this is the start, uh, which is uh, not a difficult start. So there is a bit of pinch shot there, but I agree with you. I think the offense looks better than I thought. Um, before we actually planned this podcast, we weren't going to split it east and west. And one of my east ones before we split it was to do with the Bulls offense. I think it looks more cohesive than probably you'd first think. Uh, so early into season with so many pieces. So that's really good news. Uh, I just think it's the defense that everyone's worried about that hasn't got tested because you played the teams you played with the Pistons, Pelicans and, and, and Pistons again. So, yeah, I think offense looked a lot better than I thought. More cohesive early on, which is nice. Uh, not too many mid-ranges, but efficient mid-range shots when they're being taken. Uh, but the defense, yeah, hasn't been tested, to be honest. And they, I think their next game is the Raptors as well. So another team that's not great offensively. So they could get off to a 4-0 start before they go in... Uh, and play at the Garden on Friday night, which or Thursday night, which would be interesting. But yeah, I think they're going to be okay. Garden guards with Caruso and Ball. They're both good defensive players. It's when you get the good kind of small forward, power forwards, yeah. the wings are going to be an issue, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. They're going to be a huge issue for this team. Yeah, I, I agree. I think small guards as well will be fine. It's just, yeah. Not that we'll talk about the Mavs, but obviously someone Luca size who brings the ball up a lot, like LeBron, even though they're technically play like point guards, they'll really struggle to guard those guys, I just think, with the, with the size of some of their players. But we shall see. Uh, my first one then. Uh, actually, I'm going to piggyback off yours, change the order, because I wrote a team are back. I wrote the Warriors are back. And it was my second second nice. reaction, but we'll go first. Also, nice record so far, 2-0, early on in the very, very early season. Uh, but the difference here, two very good wins, Lakers and Clippers. Uh, so the strength of schedule does matter in this case, and they've looked really good. So they sit top of the West just because of strength of schedule, 2-0. Uh, I think there's five teams, is there? I think there's five teams that are 2-0. Uh, they do play later on today as well. We're recording this on Sunday. So they do record, play today to make that third game to see how they do. A bit of an easier game. But, yeah, I just think they've looked really good. The ball movement has been incredible. They've shot more threes than they did last year and the year before. So they're back very much to the pre-KD Warriors era with the threes and the ball movement. Uh, Iggy looks rejuvenated, playing really well. Draymond Green, defensively, still absolutely incredible. Uh, Steph had one good game, one bad game. Uh, and even in the good game, uh, even in the bad game, he got a triple-double, which says a lot about Steph Curry. Uh, yeah. Jordan Poole, slightly similar, one good game, one bad game. And in the game, he was poor. Steph shot the ball well, so they're almost covering for each other from a three-point percentage point. Um, and Manny Bielitsa, someone that we spoke about loads of times on this pod that we're both a fan of, he has kind of risen to that bench role. He's facilitating. He's not obviously not doing what Draymond does defensively. When Draymond's having a break, he does the things offensively that Draymond does. Uh, he's setting people up. He's getting in screens. He's helping the ball move quick. 
Uh, and if he is open, he will shoot it. And obviously, he's a better shooter than someone like Draymond. So, off the bench, I think he's been good. For me, the whole team looked really, really nice. And that's before you bring back probably the second greatest shooter of all time in Clay Thompson. So, yeah, I've been very much impressed. I thought one and one would be a fair record. It wouldn't shock me if they were 0-2 whilst I feel things out. But, no, they're 2-0, and look really good. And they got players to come back as well. Yeah, they're looking really great. Like I like to say, I think Iggy is, what a turnaround that is. He looked absolutely defeated out in Miami. But... He's become a kind of almost his former self. It's great to see. Um, I'm loving Jordan Poole so far, although some of his shot selections he really needs to tighten up on because if he's pulling those kind of dribbling uh, two-on-one, actually I'm going to come back out to the three-point line and absolutely with it, he's getting benched if I'm Steve Kerr at some point until <laughs> he, he really sorts out his shot selection. But like you said, luckily they've, you know, Curry's been able to cover for him in, in situations like that. And they're they're looking like a really good, cohesive team, uh, which early in the season is great to see. And it's it's where a lot of teams that have had a lot of changes aren't at at this yeah. point, which um, makes such a difference early in the season. So I think they're just going to go from strength to strength at this point, maybe have a bit of a, a quieter back end of the season. But um, I just can't wait to see... Clay come back and, and these guys be at full strength to see where we're at. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the culture and the offensive scheme. Uh, and one thing I read, actually, we've mentioned it before, but Kenny Atkinson is one of their, their well, he's their assistant head coach now. And he's really good at player development. So all these young guys that are getting more playing time and getting involved a bit more, he is going to be hands-on with those guys. So I think that was an important hire for them that maybe the average media hasn't really taken in. So I just wanted to mention that because I think he's been important. Uh, and in terms of schedule now, after those two tough wins... They go Kings, Thunder, Grizzlies, Thunder, Hornets, Pelicans, Rockets. So by the middle of November, they could have only lost one game potentially. That's not how necessarily the NBA works. But um, yeah, there's a, that's a very good schedule to lead you into to, to December before Clay hopefully comes back in January. So yeah, things are things are looking good for the Warriors. And Steph scored, what did he score? 45 points? Is he the lead yeah, scorer so yeah. far this season, I think? A uh, couple of bomb threes, which uh, which was nice to see. Uh, let's move on then to your next uh, initial reaction, mate. My next initial reaction is the Washington Wizards. They aren't as bad as people thought they were going to be. <laughs> um, I found this hard, this this team a bit hard to predict before the season started because it is a superstar player, a sort of fringe all-star perhaps you would go with um and a bunch of role players like the most role players i've ever seen on a squad <laughs> but yeah i agree they pulled out two nice wins so far um an overtime win against the pacers by one point uh which was a really really entertaining game really tight game i don't know if you managed to see that anything from that one and then a, a really competent win 98-83 over the Toronto Raptors. Um, the Raptors looked horrible in that game, I will admit. But <laughs> the uh, the Wizards looked great. Um, they, they're sharing the ball nicely. Everybody's getting touches. Um, the the scoring's quite evenly spread. It is a team of role players, and it is looking like a team, which is, like I said with the Warriors, one of the greatest things you can have early in the season. If everybody's contributing, then you're you're in a good spot, I think. So, um, 
and they pulled out a crunch time win early in the season, which which sort of bodes well. And that one was out with without Bradley Beal. So I think this Wizards team's got a bit of promise. I could see them sneaking a certainly a play-in tournament spot. You never know. They might creep up into a playoff spot. <laughs> you were very high on the Wizards early on last season as well. So I'll just remind you of that. Uh, that, yeah. did, that did go a bit peak tongue. But yeah, I agree. That's a pretty good win. Uh, 135, 134 in overtime, wasn't it, against the Pacers without Bradley Beal? So, if you can do that, that's a very, uh, a very impressive win. I think Kuzma as well. What did he drop? Like 26 points. Spencer Dinwiddie got 34 points. That's what 60 points between those two players. So, yeah. uh, they're very good numbers. And also in the Raptors game, side note, Montrose Harrell got a tech for having an argument with Drake on the sideline, which is my favourite Wizards moment that's of the so season. Funny. So, I just, I just think that's hilarious. And Montrez. Uh, Clapping back, and then Drake's just chilling with his front, with his uh, his front row seat. So yeah, I thought that was quite funny. But I agree, defensively they looked better than I thought, uh, and I think they're going to be a pain, aren't they, for these good teams? I think the great teams will be fine, but the good teams, I think there's going to be some games where you're thinking, "Oh, we'll go in. This should be a win. It'll be hard, but we'll win." And then you'll find yourself twelve points down because they're shooting in their defense. So yeah, I agree. I think the Wizards are a bit better than we thought, and definitely going to cause some uh, cause some trouble. Uh, move on to a team that's not as good as we thought, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and my initial reaction was their ro- rotation will take time to settle down. And I think they're going to have to really work their way into the season, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Prime examples, also they've lost both games, just mentioned that, Warriors and Suns. Uh, Warriors, tough game. They, they were leading at parts. I haven't seen anything from the Suns game yet. I've got the highlights still to watch. But from what I read on the Suns blog, they were kind of saying that at one point in the second quarter, the Lakers were not lucky to be down by more. Suns were missing a lot of open shots. Um, but it's like I said, it, it, my reaction is more the rotation. Uh, you've got DeAndre Jordan starting, which I think is a bad decision. You've got Avery Bradley joining the team and then having to come in and, and hit th- what, three threes in a row and guard Steph Curry because uh, the Warriors were getting that on top. And then next game, you play Bradley 20-odd minutes. So at one point, he wasn't in your rot- rotation. And next minute, he's now your like, seventh highest minute getter, which I th- yeah. find a bit weird. Uh, and then there's someone called Austin Reeves, I think, played like 15 minutes in the second game. And you've got established NBA players uh, on the bench, which I thought was, was, was a strange one. Um, or oh, have I made that up? No, I think... Did he play 15 uh, yeah. minutes? He got 12 minutes in the second game off the bench. 12 minutes, yeah. Obviously, Dwight Howard, nine minutes. We saw AD and Dwight Howard get into it on the bench, squaring up to each other. Uh, Kent Bazemore is playing a lot more minutes than I thought he would at 20, 25 minutes in these games. So, yeah, I think the rotation is not great, if I'm honest. I don't want to go too much into Russ because Russ starts every season pretty badly. Uh, and I think even though me and you aren't the biggest Westbrook fans, we both said in the regular season he'll probably improve their team and then the yeah. playoffs will probably make them worse. So I don't think these two losses are necessarily on him. He does take time to settle into a, to a new system. He did the same in, in Houston, did the same in um, Washington, yeah. But it's the other parts of the ben- the other team where, where I just find it mind-boggling. The other day, we, the, there was a minute where there was Rajon Rondo, Carmelo Anthony, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard on the floor. And I'm looking at that thinking, <laughs> that's just not going to get it done. Especially defensively, you put these guards and pick and roll with pretty much all of them. Even Anthony Davis is someone who is a very, very good defender. But even in the second game, he still started limping around out there. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not sure on their, their defense at all. Uh, LeBron started the season pretty well, but you can see he's getting frustrated on how to kind of work out with with Russ, uh, Rondo, and him and Davis on the court at times together. So, yeah, I think the whole rotation is going to take time. We all did know that, but I think the first two games for me looked a bit rougher than maybe I thought. And defensively, I think that's where they're going to take a step back at the moment with uh, looking without KCP and Caruso. 
yeah, it's definitely cemented those thoughts, hasn't it? That this rotation is going to take time to feel out. Uh, I'm not convinced they're done in terms of maybe moving a few pieces and um, trading some players. But uh, you've got a team with now maybe a lot of ball handlers, um, not, not as many competent shooters at this point in the season. For me, I think I mentioned it before when we spoke about the Lakers, LeBron needs to step back from ball handling and Russ be the on-ball, more on-ball dominant guy and LeBron become more of a a shooter um, for this team to help spread the floor and let AD and Westbrook sort of work the pick and rolls and do that movement and LeBron kind of slash from from the edge of the D or, or be taking those shots because... His three-point shot has improved and they need to be able to spread the floor because they've got so many players now that like to work inside or slash in or that just need space, including A.D. Westbrook. Rondo's shooting has improved, but it's not. He, he's not a three-point shooter. Um, so then it's just these guys off the bench trying to kind of figure out what you want from them, how you want to play them, Um I've seen a lot of stats with Reeves being on the court. They seem to do better offensively and defensively. He could be that kind of Caruso-type player they need this season, I think, potentially. Um, they have been missing Taylor Horton-Tucker, who was great for them last season. I think would have improved again, but uh, is not ready to play just yet. Um, and they also need to work out their centre issues. Is AD <laughs> playing centre? A lot of centre issues on this team. Jordan. They need. They really need to sort that bit out. And like you said, I think, I think they'll put it together. And I think by Christmas they'll put a couple of wins together and kind of be uh, just above five hundred. But they need to kind of have a couple of team meetings now, sort out their issues, and just and 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 be honest with themselves that it's not coming straight away, and they're going to take some time to settle into it and and to keep going basically, because um, I think it will come. Yeah, the only thing I'll pick up on there is uh, you said a couple of wins by Christmas. I think they'll want a couple of tens of wins maybe by Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> if they're sitting there with five wins, then um, oh, yeah, Vogel could be getting fired and LeBron could be a uh, player coach, which he is anyway, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm not worried about them long term. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about my one seed prediction early on because I just think it, it looks so bad at times that it could, even if they win a couple of games now, there could be these spells in the first two months where they, they lose some games. Uh, and there's so many teams in the West that aren't going to lose that many games, it looks like, at the yeah. moment. So, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that. But overall, it'll take time. I'm just surprised. They've got to fix the rotation. Uh, it's not good. Like you said, centre position. Uh, centre position, definitely, probably the worst of it. Uh, let's move on then back to the East. What's your third initial reaction so far for the season? Um, for all of their improvements with their roster, the Brooklyn Nets still have an issue with their centres as well. Um <laughs> Everyone needs centers. Come on, guys. God, we're in the 80s again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does seem that way, doesn't it? You know, they, they knew they needed centers two seasons ago or three seasons ago, whatever it was. And that's why they signed DeAndre Jordan. And they are desperate for centers and they let him go, which just sort of highlights an issue the Lakers might have there. But um, Nick Claxton is their starting center at the moment. And I think he's a great young player. I think he's going to continue developing, but he isn't quite ready to bang with those established 
centres in the league that we have at the moment, like your Valentunas, your Stephen Adams, Giannis when he's around in the paint is an absolute menace. Um, I, I think these issues I mentioned, Giannis, these issues were highlighted massively in that first Bucks game. Yeah, I agree. Um, players like him are sort of too big for your Nick Claxtons, who who can move their feet and, and get around the court a little bit, and your Blake Griffins, who isn't as athletic anymore, so does struggle there. But um, too athletic for your LaMarcus Aldridge, who may be big enough and strong enough to kind of stop him in the post, but as soon as they start moving, he's got some issues there trying to track them around the court. So they need to kind of... You usually hear about teams trying to sort of hide their lack of defence with the guards and stuff and, and switching early and those kind of things. But here, they need to kind of sort out what they're doing in the paint with their centres um, and what kind of style they want to play. I think with Nick Claxton on, on the court, they need to sort of um, use him as that athletic big. So maybe if he's being backed down, you send a help defender or he becomes that help defender and, and he's going for the blocks and the rebounds rather than trying to sort of stop the post-ups. Um, but they definitely need to kind of shore that position up. And uh, I think it's going to come down to, like I said, a coaching decision, how they want to, how they want to play that position because it can't just be papered over the entire season and playoffs by your two incredible superstars. Because you're going to get found out by these bigger teams. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I think it's what was the first game. Uh, Millsap didn't play as minutes, many minutes as people thought, but even second game, he only averaged 16 minutes against the 76ers. Because they did beat the 76ers, obviously a team with a huge yeah. centre that uh, play that that is a good team. I know Embiid didn't have the best game himself, but uh, that is a tough matchup, and they did win. But yeah, I know what you mean. I think they do need a bit of help there, uh, but I just don't know if they're going to get it. You got Claxon, you got Aldridge, you got Millsap, you got Blake, you got KD. I just think I can't see them doing much else. I think they're just going to rotate, no. rotate that lineup. They have obviously got the um, I forgot the guy's name now, but they did get um, someone in the draft as well. The end of the first round, who's a big shot blocking centre, hasn't played a minute yet. But um, there's there is size there, but yeah, it's not great. I, I think they're always going to struggle against Giannis. That's going to be yeah the problem. I think they want to play small, uh, and that's how they're going to play. But I agree, yeah. If they could have another option off the bench, that would help. But uh, yeah, we'll but... see. These buyout guys do always seem to turn up somewhere, don't they? They always come from somewhere that you're not expecting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, I'm not expecting a big roster change. They just need to figure out a way of playing against these bigger bigger teams that doesn't put them on the back foot. Trade for Boban? Yes. No, you're talking <laughs> that language. Get the Bobby involved, we should say. Um, cool. Move to a third uh, third and reaction for me then from the Western Conference. This one's a little bit obvious. Uh, I just put the Pelicans suck, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wrote those words. Uh, they've lost three games in total this season. They are 0-3. They're the only team that are 0-3, I think. Uh, they've lost three games by a combined 60 points. Wow. 6-0. And uh, still no news on Zion, obviously. Uh, and no news is not good news in this sense. Foot injuries plague big men in the NBA forever. Look at Embiid. He's back now from it, but it took him two years to sort that foot out. Uh, we had, I'll be ready for the start. Of the, no, not I'll be, sorry. Zion will be ready for the start of the season. We had Zion or Mr. 
be, be running by the start of the season. Neither have happened. Zion should be ready in the first couple of weeks. And now you've got the general manager, David Griffin, saying he never said those things, even though it's been recorded on TV. Uh, and now he's saying that he'll be back this season. So the words back this season would strike fear into me if I was a Pelicans fan. I do think the injury will actually help them re-sign Zion because I think if he's this injured, he's just going to say, look, I'm just going to take the five-year, 100-odd, 90-million deal just to stay. Because um, I think if he played this year and they were bad and he played the full season and he was healthy, he would be sitting there at the end of the year saying, right, I need to leave here. This is not right for me. But uh, for me, this might help them then, but it's not going to help them for this season. Uh, do you want to guess their starting? <laughs> do you want to guess uh, who their starting five was in the last game and see uh, how many? I dread think um, Valentunis. Correct. Um, Ingram. Correct. Ex ex Hornets guard from the sign in the off season. He played. Um, oh my goodness. Devonte Graham. Yes, I, I I remember looking at the box score and seeing his name, and I'd completely forgot he'd gone over to them. He's playing like 30, oh, 30, okay. 30, 35 minutes a game as well. But the last two, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, good player, good shooter. In the West, he's not going to be a good enough starter for a good team. Final, no. the, the forward on this team is Herb Jones. Herb Jones sounds like an Impractical Jokers character that they make <laughs> up uh, on the ad hoc basis. Uh, and I just think that is such a porous start five. They did re-sign Van Tudis as well, which makes me think that they're just getting a bit panicky about how the season's going. But then even off the bench, you've got Najee Marshall, Garrett Temple, Jackson Hayes, and then you've got rookie and second-year player Kira Lewis and, and Trey Murphy. So they're so young, they just look lost on defence. The offence is very, very average. They haven't played... Like I said, they've lost three games. They did play the 76ers, but the other two teams were the Bulls and the Timberwolves. So teams that you should be able to score against... Uh, and in two of the games, they only scored 89 points and, and just shy of 100. So uh, it's not going well. I just think they're 0-3. They're probably going to be a bit worse than I thought without Zion. And then when Zion gets back, they'll be probably like the sort of level I thought, which would be 11-12 seat potentially. But uh, like I said, when we're going to see Zion, we have no idea. So yeah, I think the Pelicans suck and uh, it's not looking great for them. Uh, it's not looking good for the GM either, to be honest. The other question to tack on to the end of that is what even when he does get back what is he going to look like i don't know if you've seen the comparisons going around media the weight, day last the weight season, photos, this yeah my yeah. goodness um yeah he needs to do something about that i know he's got foot problems but it doesn't mean you have to sit on your sofa and pile on the pounds like there's other stuff he could be doing um yeah i'm i'm worried for this pelicans team big time <laughs> very worried all right obviously new coach they just got um and then the next step is gm if, do you know what I mean? You can't just keep changing yeah. your coach all the time and, and, and trading for different players and doing this, doing that. Yeah, it's not good. Um, do you want to guess? If I told you, actually, no, guess how many games has Zion started for them in three seasons? Two of them were obviously shortened because of uh, because of COVID. And this season, he hasn't played a game. So obviously, this one doesn't count. But up to now, how many games do you think he's actually started? Um... You were no dunks listener, so they did read this out. So I don't know if you already heard it. I oh, know, I haven't heard this bit. Uh, I can say 35. Okay, you killed the stat there. <laughs> it's 80 games in two, in two seasons, which is... Uh, I think it just shows you the lack of respect I have for him. Yeah, you, we know you do hate Zion, but yeah, 80 games, which is pretty bad. It's the least out of any uh, 
top pick in the NBA that didn't have a season-ending injury straight away in two seasons. So obviously, Embiid missed the whole season. So if you even don't include that, I think he played like 51. So it's only 30 less, and he missed a whole of 18 months of action, which is just yeah. crazy. So yeah, it's not looking great for the Pelicans. Um, and I, yeah, if you watch their games, I've only watched the Timberwolves game live. Well, not live, but in full, and it's just woeful. The scheme doesn't look great. The defense is, is a massive problem. So yeah, things are, are not looking great there. Uh, let's move back to you there, mate. Back to the East. What's your next uh, reaction so far? Uh, the Miami Heat might be the most unpredictable team in the league. <laughs> um, you, you saw them demolish the Bucks. Um, yes, I did. And they looked incredible. Played, played very well. Played really well. Looked great as a team. Absolutely, like I said, demolish them is an understatement. Tore them to, to shreds. Um, and then they lose in overtime, 102-91 to the Pacers, uh, and didn't look as good. I mean, Tyler Hero looked incredible in that game, but no one else did. <laughs> no one else did exactly. PJ Tucker zero points in 35 minutes. I know you, he's not on the court to score, but it's not great. Even like you know, Jimmy's 19 in 40 minutes. Uh, it's I don't know. I think they're going to find some more consistency, but I still think it's going to be a real up and down season for them. I think they're going to go on winning streaks. I think they're going to go on losing streaks. And it depends massively on sort of what mind frame they're all going into the game with. If they're not all on the same page going into a game, I think that's when it starts to fall apart. Whereas when they are, they are an incredible unit. This team is deep. Um, but they all need to pull together because it's also sort of a weird mishmash of players yes. in a way because you've got like like Jimmy and Bam who want to work in in the paint. You've got Duncan Robinson who just wants to stand outside and shoot, uh, who's a bit of a hole on defense. Um, Tyler Hero, you never know which version of him's going to turn up. They started Gabe Vincent. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I did see that Oladipo and um, Lowry, obviously, not available. And that is my other worry. This is the oldest team, apart from the Lakers in the league, always in the East. I do wonder if there will be games when they rest people, because that's their plan. Um, And I think there's certain combinations that if you rest, they could lose some games they don't want to lose and end up falling down the rankings a bit more than their, their actual roster deserves, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like I said, I think this is going to be the most unpredictable team this season. Yeah, I like that. I agree. They were so good against the Bucks. The Bucks did miss a lot of open shots, but they scored like 137 points against good defence. So, yeah, and then they were, they were not good. I have watched the Pacers game because uh, I'm a Rick Carlisle fan, as anyone knows who listens to the pod. Uh, and there was a time when the lineup included these players. So on the floor at the same time, you had Jimmy, PJ, Bam, and Markeith Morris. Where, you shoot, where are you going to shoot? Where are you going to score and shoot from with that it's lineup? Because even, even if you slot um, Duncan Robinson in that lineup, you know exactly where the shooter is. So you just plonk a guy on him. Man mark him, we'll deal with the rest. Yeah. And... There were times in that game that Robinson and Hero on the floor. They were their most efficient numbers, plus minus as a team, with those two on the floor together. Uh, Jimmy wasn't even on the floor for all those minutes, but normally Jimmy or Bam was. 
yeah. they were very efficient. But yeah, without it, was, there was even a point where it was Deadman. Uh, it was Dwayne Deadman. It was PJ. Jimmy Robinson and Markeith Morris on the floor again. I'm like Deadman Morris and PJ Tucker. I'm just like that. You're not going to score enough points. Um, but I thought they could still win through defense in that game. But Pacers managed to turn it on a bit in the second half. But yeah, I agree with you. There's going to be some strange results there. They're going to beat some good teams embarrassingly, and you're going to be shocked. And then they're going to lose some duckhead games where you're confident. Yeah, a team I would avoid betting on if people are a better Absolutely. right now because uh, until their rotation settles down, I have no no idea what we're going to get from them. Uh, I move to my next one then. This is uh, a, involves a player that you enjoy, especially with your hatred of Zion. Uh, mm. I put the Grizzlies are better than I personally thought, uh, and the reason of that is because of uh, is because of Jazz. They sit two and zero. I think one of the only teams in the West to sit two and zero. But my main observation is the defense is, is similar to last year. Uh, but even though it might not go in all the time, they're encouraging and putting more sets around the offense that involve Jar shooting the ball. Uh, there's not as many drives into like three big men. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and shoot, and people don't have to just leave him open because they think, all oh, right, he might shoot, or he might just drive and kick, or he might pull in for a mid range. He's actually taking some long bombs, not necessarily very efficiently in both the, the two games, but the offense looks more set around right. We're just going to mix it up a bit. We're going to give Jar more space because if he shoots more, sometimes they're going to have to guard him out and he can drive past guys. The fast break is still as good as it always has been. Jar's done a couple of monster dunks, um, but they are letting him shoot more. He's shooting more uh, and the shot is a little bit better than last year and I think it'll just continue to get better as practice goes. So I think they're better than I thought. I had them, I think, outside the, the top 10 in the end or, or maybe they were like right down in 10th. Um, but they're looking like a team that will, will try and challenge for, for six, seven, eight, uh, that sort of range because... Uh, that is a bit better than I thought, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this iterations of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it's nice to hear that you're coming round to my Morant over Zion there, I think. That's oh, no, Zion's better than definitely what I'm hearing. Zion's uh, better than Morant. Yeah, I think it's a testament to what um, Jar's done in the off-season. He's obviously yeah. improved his shot, and the team have, have noticed that. And they're saying, right, we're, we're building this into our game plan now. You're not just a driver. You're not just a fast break dunker. This is what we're going to start playing. This is how we're going to move. This is this is how we're going to set up. Um, and everybody knows their role, I think, on that team, which helps really, really well. Stephen beat Adams. Your, beat your Cavs as well, didn't they, in one of the games? They did, yeah. Um, with some huge... It was like a bit of a dunk-off between him and, and Jarrett Allen, which was quite nice. They both had a nice, tasty one each. Um yeah, I think everybody on this team knows their role. I think Stephen Adams slotted in really, really nicely, straight into that Valanciunas kind of role, just hitting the boards and scoring where he can and, and when he can. Um, they're just a joy to watch as well. Just an energetic, bouncy team. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this Memphis Grizzlies team, and hopefully they continue going sort of strength to strength this season. Yeah, Jan Jackson Jr., good rookie year. Obviously, injury worries. Big contract that he's just signed that I think is a fair deal. A lot of people didn't like it, but I love the deal for, for yeah. a place like a team like Memphis, where they're based. If his, the injuries continue, then yes, the deal will look terrible. That's anything. That's the same with, I don't know, Porzingis. That's the same with Zion. That's the same with any player who has injury worries. If those injury worries don't ever stop, the deal's terrible. We all know that. But yes. if he can get out of that, because they are spot injuries, it's an ACL, Like that's not constant knee problem that happens on one freak play if he can get out of the the routine of these minor nagging injuries since the acl then i think it's a great deal he's looked really good in the two games good fit next to a big center 
really good defensively. He does add some shooting when you want Jar to go to the basket more. And maybe you don't want Jar to shoot 12 threes a game because you probably don't want that as part of your no. offense. But Jaron Jackson can go out and shoot six himself to help the, help, help the stat line. So, yeah, they've looked good. I think he he definitely has made a difference. I love uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. So I'm hoping he can have a healthy season. Touch wood. Uh, I think we've got one more each then, mate. So why don't you uh, sign yes. us off with your last Eastern Conference one? So my last kind of observation from the East this week is, are the Atlanta Hawks too deep? Can a team be too deep? They have got off to a one-on-one start. They um, had a really, really good first win, which is something you didn't want to happen, I'm sure, uh, over the Mavericks. They look really good as a team there. Uh, Lots of people contributing. um, And then a loss to the Cavaliers which I was very happy about. But you look at their their starting lineup, which is absolutely fine. Trey Young, uh, Hunter, Capella, Bogdanovich, and John Collins. Great. Cam Reddish has been playing extremely well off the bench. They've got uh, Herter, Gorgi Jiang, <laughs> Hill, and Wright. They've still yet to, to sort of come back from injury. They've got Gall- Gallinari, Williams, uh, Cabro still there. Akungu, there's a lot of players they need to get into this rotation. Um, can't, get them, can't fit them all in, can you? Not sure how they're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, what is kind of positive, I guess, is they've got some really nice trade pieces if they need to uh, move a couple of things around. But... Um, and it, it bodes well in case there is a, a severe injury, I guess. However, um, I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about their rotations when they have everybody available. We'll see, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think they've got a trade. They've got they, there's a trade in there, a future pick with some of these assets to get someone. I think they could get a really good player. Like a really, really good player, but you have to give up someone. I think Gallo would be one of the ones you give up. You've got so many young wings now. Yeah. I just don't think you need him. Uh, I'd try and do Lou Williams as well, if you could. Um, if not, maybe Solomon Hill or DeLon Wright. And then you probably need to lose one of the young stars, don't you, unfortunately? not. You're not going to lose, obviously, Hunter. Well, yeah, probably Hunter Collins, Trey or Bogdanovich. But I think, uh, or Herter, he can't be traded now. But yeah, like a reddish for me does seem like the prime candidate for them to try and include in a deal, especially with how we started. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I just don't think many teams will take three old guys. I think you're going to want to put stuff in. Obviously, you could just put two picks in. You could put you could put um, Wright in. You could put Williams in. You could put um, Gallo in and then put a couple of picks in. Yeah, that, that, if that's what you want to do, then someone will do that. But, yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of players. They played really well against the Mavs, and they were really bad against the Cavs. So... <laughs> Uh, which is the other way around, but unfortunately that's not uh, not how it is. But yeah, no, they they played pretty well uh, without Trey having his best games either, which is uh, it's pretty impressive. And it's nice to see DeAndre Hunter back, isn't it? He looked really really good yeah, in both the games. Right. I think very good. Oh, uh, definitely a candidate for uh, one of the all defense uh, defense teams this season. I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and just as a sort of selfish related note to the Hawks on a sort of tangent. Uh, the Cavs did beat them, and Evan Mobley is looking very good. I told you he was good for the season. Yeah. I can say that. Great draft pick. Uh, I, I wouldn't have re-signed Allen but, and him, but or maybe left marketing out, but I think he's going to be a great player. He's the best player on the Cavs already, I think. 
yeah, I think Markkinen needs to go to the bench, start a Coro, and let Markkinen lead the second unit. Um, that's what I do at this point in time. But you know, I'm not a, I'm not a coach, so who knows? No. And next time Ben is on a Cavs podcast, we will let you know because then you can hear Ben talk about Mobley and Okoro for an hour, which sounds Absolutely. beautiful. Absolutely. Get it, get it going. Uh, cool. My last one, it does actually involve the team you just spoke about in a way. Uh, I put the Mavs miss Rick and Rick misses the Mavs. That's, that's my last observation. I put it as the last one because uh, there's only been two games <laughs> for the Mavs. They're one of the teams that haven't played three games yet. Uh, and in the second game, they looked pretty good. So it kind of ruined my first reaction when I wrote the notes down. Because uh, <laughs> I actually started writing these notes when the Mavs were down by 18 points to the Raptors. So <laughs> my um, I was in a bit more of a negative state, but I still think it's true. The offense against the Hawks didn't look great. Um, I said in our preseason pod, my only worry would be Jason Kidd's preseason offense having a lot of mid-range games, but we were also winning games by like 20 in the preseason, so you never really know what that is. Is it just people shooting or is it the actual offense? But against the Hawks, it was the offense. It was too many mid-range games, uh, sorry, mid-range shots. Uh, and the worst stat for me was this, which I want to get your opinion on, uh, the usage rate. So usage rate is literally what it says on the tin, how much of the ball in terms of offense uh that a player uses in the team's offense. So in terms of percent, uh, last season, the average was Luca 41%, Tim Hardaway Jr., 19%, Porzingis, 14%, and Brunson, 13%, which is fair enough. But in the first game, it was Porzingis, 33%, Hardaway, 26%, and Luca 19%. Wow. Yeah, last night they turned it around and Luca did lead the game and with usage for them. Oh, sorry, he was second, still behind Porzingis, but he was up to like 27, so a lot higher. But he was still behind Porzingis in usage rate, so he touched the ball less, uh, essentially, than Porzingis did. And they won that second game. But the first game, for me, they were trying too much of this off-ball stuff. And I think the media narrative of like, oh, the Mavs need a second creator... I just think it's ruining. I think Kidd is listening to that too much and it's ruining the offense because Luca is one of the best players in the world that generates the best shots. And you spend the whole offseason getting people that can shoot threes. So if you spend your whole time letting other people do things they're not good at, like Dorian Finney Smith post ups, Dwight Powell post ups, Porzingis shooting over people from 18 foot with two guys in his face, like things like that are not as efficient. I know you want Luca to, to not have the ball as much so he's not as tired as the season goes, but. I think there's a little bit of a balance and they haven't found it yet. And I think Rick Carlisle used to find it all the time. So I think the Mavs missed a bit of Rick on offense. Uh, and also I've only watched two paces game and their offense didn't look as good. It's almost like Rick really misses the Mavs, but I think more misses Luca trying to run his offense. If you know what I mean? Like the point guards trying to run Rick's offense hasn't looked great so far in Indiana. So I wanted to combine them together really and do a bit of East V West there. Yeah. Nice. I, it seems ridiculous. Like the, the Mavs do need a second sort of creator but until that point you have to use Luca as that because he is incredible and he will draw defenders and that will leave your three-point shooters open surely yeah. that's it's quite simple but I I uh, completely agree that kids listen too much to what's going on around him and it's like right let's get Luca off the ball let's get these other guys going and get them involved but it kind of needs to be the other way around from this you need to get Luca going first, draw the defense, then start dishing out. 
Yeah. Um, I'm quite happy with Porzingis having a higher usage rate than, uh, than yeah. last year. But when it's like shared between four guys and Luca's like yeah. the fourth, you're there like, nah, that's just, it's not going to work. Um, and I think they led the league in second in the league in three point attempts last year, but they're, they're down the bottom this year. And it's only two games, like I said, so short sample size. But that was the offense, and it looked really bad against the Hawks. But the Hawks have a lot of good defenders. They have a lot of people that can guard big people. Like we said, they have a lot of wings. So part of that will just be the Hawks. But you're going to meet other teams that guard wings really well. So you can't just have this terrible offense. So that was my last observation. They played a lot better against the Raptors. Second half, Luca was, uh, uh, in terms of usage rate, he was like 38% in the second half, uh, and they won the second half by 20 points. So <laughs> I think uh, even the first half, second half split in that game, uh, kind of shows you what you need to do. Um, and there'll be certain games when you're winning in the third quarter and you can just sit, Luca. You don't, they're the games where I think you worry about his usage. I don't think you need to worry about it in a game against the Hawks when you want to win and you want to come out strong. Yeah. Um, but Porzingis looks pretty good defensively, which is nice to see. Uh, he looks a lot better in game two offensively, but we shall see. But yeah, I already miss you, Rick. That's why I'm, you, you, I'm having to watch Pacers game. I, I miss Rick that much, which is not a position I want to be in life, but yeah, wow. we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to Mavs Pacers. Luca versus Rick. That'd be, uh, that'd be a fun game later on the season. We shall see. Uh, but that's our initial reactions then. 10 there, five for each conference. Some, some good ones there. Uh, only a couple of games in. So as we go next few weeks we'll, we'll develop a little bit more of our winners and losers surprises and performances of the week and stuff like that but we wanted to give some uh, some initial thoughts let's move on to game picks then mate uh, you are 2-1 up this year we're not going to do week by week because we missed a couple of weeks last year so we're just going to tally it as a running score so you are 2-1 up uh, with your picks of the Bucks, who beat the Nets, the Hawks, who beat the Mavs. Uh, Golden State beating the Lakers did get me a point, which was nice to see. And um, we both lost on the Lakers' sons. And it's very rare that I ever pick LeBron. And the one time I don't, uh, sorry, one time I do, he actually did lose. So how yeah. annoying is that for me? Very annoying. <laughs> but 2-1 lead to you, which is nice. Uh, this week, we're going to pick two games each again uh, to try and talk about all the teams. We're going to do some contenders in one game, and then we're going to do some play-in slash tankers in another and as the season goes on, we might we might start picking some more. But we're going to go two, two each for this one. Uh, I'll start us off. I've got one that involves my contender. So I'm going with Warriors versus Kings tonight because the Kings, we, I, I kind of didn't think we'd talk about today. Uh, they look better than I thought. Their offense looks good. Harrison Barnes is shooting the ball so well. Devion Mitchell's defense looks incredible. So even though it says Warriors v. Kings, I actually think this is a harder game than most people think. Uh, I think the Kings have got some good guards that can run around after pool and... Uh, Steph, they're not going to stop Steph, but they're going to run around pretty well after him. Um, the Warriors aren't blessed with scoring bigs, so that helps a team like the Kings, who don't have great defensive bigs. But uh, I just think there's a there's a lot of shooting in this game, and it's going to be a fun one tonight. But I am going to pick the Warriors to win. But I think the Kings are going to keep it a lot closer than, uh, than most people think. I'm airing with you on this. I think the Warriors are going to take it. I think their um, tenure and experience over the Kings will, will do this, but... I agree with you. This is the best the Kings have looked in a very long time. Nice to see. It is nice to see. We've got, I've got a very close friend who's a Kings fan, and he stays up to watch games, so uh, that gets a bit tragic when you lose every night. So <laughs> it's nice to see them looking good. I love their, their guard rotation. It's pretty nice at the moment. Halliburton's looking, looking good as well. But that's two picks for the Warriors then. Uh, why don't you tell us what, what's your game then that involves a contender or a pair of contenders? So, yeah, my sort of marquee matchup this week is the Portland Trailblazers versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Portland are one and one. The Clippers are not and two. The Clippers looked quite good in that game against the Warriors. It came down to the sort of to the wire, really, didn't it, in that game? Um, 
and Portland looked absolutely awful in the game that they lost and okay in the game that they won. So I'm very interested to see how it kind of balances out for both teams in this game. Um, like you previously mentioned in the podcast today, if the, if the Trailblazers don't get off to a good start this season, does that mean there's going to be some serious changes coming their way in terms of CJ or even Dane? I, I don't know. Whereas the Clippers, I think, just need to find their form a little bit. And I think it'll come for them. Uh, it's, it's quite a nice roster. Uh, Bledsoe's looking better than he's looked for a long time as well. So for them, I think they just need to stay the course and keep trucking through. Um, and with that, I need to make a pick. You do? Um, I'm going to take the Clippers. Why not? I think they're going to get a win. Let's go Clippers. Nice. Uh, I was going to go Clippers as well because I thought you were going to go Blazers. Uh-huh. So I'll mix it up because we had the same in the first one. I'll go Blazers. Um, I'll just go with some scoring, really. Paul George started the season very well. They're actually pretty unlucky to lose to the Warriors. They weren't as good in their other game, <laughs> but they were pretty good against the Warriors. So I'm going to lean the Blazers uh, and go Dame as a big day. He's not the biggest fan of Paul George, if you read his Twitter in, in previous years. So I think he's going to be on a mission. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with the Blazers, I think. Nice. Yeah, solid pick. Uh, cool. My next game then involves a tanker or a playing team. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rockets versus the Celtics. Both these games are tonight. And the reason I said this, Celtics 0-2. Their defense does not look great. Uh, the offense looks good. The game against the Knicks and Madison Square Garden was incredible. Um, but their defense doesn't look good. And the Rockets have got a couple of players that can score the ball pretty effectively. Um, so, yeah, I found this game a little bit interesting. I think the Warrior, uh, Celtics are at home. So I'm going to lean with the Celtics. But I think this could be a uh, a very high score and 200-point total game, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, what are the Celtics 0-2 this season? Yeah. Their first game, double overtime. Pretty unlucky there. But um, I know I said I'm probably not going to pick them much this season, but <laughs> I'm going to go with the Celtics for this one. Yeah, I thought you might. I thought as the season goes on, we're not going to have loads of chances to talk about the Rockets. So I wanted to try and uh, Get shoe, shoehorn as much Rockets as we could. Um, and they have won a game, which the Celtics haven't. So there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. What did they score in their other game? Yeah, they scored 106 and 124 points. So they can score the ball. So I think the Celtics going to have to be really on their game offensively. But I agree. I think they're going to win. Uh, they, need, they need a win against this team, don't they? 0-2. Oh, and two. oh Definitely. Yeah, 100% they need this win. I don't know if you saw the almost sort of monster dunk that, um, that uh, was it Green had? Yeah, I did. Um, on OKC. Oh, my goodness. If, if he had put that down, then uh, that could be dunk of the year this early in the season. The world would be going crazy. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter especially would, uh, would be going crazy. But yeah, uh, let's go on then to your next one then. Playing team slash tankers, who have we got? Yeah, so um, my sort of uh, other matchup is going to be the Charlotte Hornets versus the Orlando Magic. Um, Hornets 2-0 to start the season, looking very good actually. Uh, D'Angelo looking incredible, playing really, really well. Uh, I'm just interested to see... You mean Lamello? Uh, Lamello. Yeah. D'Angelo, have you watched The Office too much? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, he's looking really good. The Magic are 0-2 to start the season. 
Um, they've got a lot of young pieces, a lot of sort of talent to develop there. Um, but I'm not overly convinced this Hornets team is going to keep winning. This, And you never know, a young, hungry team like the Magic, what they could sort of pull out on, on a random night. So I thought I could throw this one into the mix to see where we'd both kind of end up on our picks. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start us off because we have actually got Mikey. Good, you didn't actually know this, so it's a good transition from you. We've got Mikey from Wallangic Magic UK coming on the podcast tomorrow, I think, or Tuesday. Uh, so we're gonna have a lot of magic chat this week, and in solidarity uh-huh. with my new magic brother, I'm gonna pick the magic to get a win against these Hornets. I'm gonna pick uh, a Suggs to go off. Uh, one of their many point guards is gonna go off, hopefully. So uh, <laughs> I'll leave magic because I agree. I don't think the Hornets are good enough after watching them to win loads of games. Uh, and I think the Magic is like you said, the sort of team that they got. They're quite scrappy, young. If they start the game well uh, and they're shooting well, they could do well. I think it's the games where they take a loss early in terms of the scoreboard where they just look like they're going to capitulate because of how young they are. But I think this is the sort of game the Magic will get them for and, and try and keep it close. So I'm going to go Magic. Nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll go against the grain now, and I'm going to go with the Hornets. Um, I think they're going to get this win here. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a close game, though. Very close game. Some fun young players in this game as well. So it's a nice one to pick. But um, we shall see. In terms of picks then, like I said, you win 2-1, uh, winning 2-1. Uh, picks for the week, we've got Warriors v Kings. We both pick Warriors. We've got Blazers v Clippers. I've gone Blazers, you've gone Clippers. We've got Warriors, uh, sorry, Rockets versus Celtics. We both picked Celtics. And then we're ending it with the Mighty Magic versus the Hornets. Uh, ben is going to go with Leangelo Ball, the best ball brother in the Hornets. And I'm going to go with uh, the point guard FC team, the Magic. So we should see how that goes. And like I said, we have got uh, our first team special of the season with uh, Mikey coming on from uh, from the Magic to talk all things Orlando. Uh, and then the next couple of weeks, Ben will be getting his debate series back on the go as well. So that should be exciting. Uh, remember to go follow us. Uh, at underscore hardwood hoops where we tweet everything uh all nba stuff there uh we'll be back next weekend we're probably gonna we have got stag do for one of our greatest friends uh, next weekend so we are we are going to record on thursday i think so it should go out thursday evening if not friday morning uh so you'll have it to listen to uh, before the weekend but yeah go follow us go interact with us on twitter let us know what you thought and we shall speak to you soon